Section 5 of Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch by Wilhelm Meinhold. Translated by Lucy Duff Gordon. The Tenth Chapter. How We Journeyed to Volgast and Made Good Barter There. Two days after, so says my daughter, but old Ilsa thinks it was three, and I myself know not which is true, we at last went to the town, seeing that Master Rothog had not got the box ready before. My daughter covered it over with a piece of my departed wife, her wedding gown, which the imperialists had indeed torn to pieces, but as they had left it lying outside, the wind had blown it into the orchard where we found it. It was very shabby before. Otherwise, I doubt not, they would have carried it off with them. On account of the box, we took old Ilsa with us, who had to carry it, and, as Amber is very light wear, she readily believed that the box held nothing but eatables. At daybreak, then, we took our staves in our hands and set out with God. Near Zitzi, a hare ran across the road before us, which they say bodes no good. Well a day! When we came near Bannerman, I asked a fellow if it was true that here a mother had slaughtered her own child from hunger, as I had heard. He said it was, and that the old woman's name was Zissa, but that God had been wroth at such a horrid deed, and she had got no good by it, seeing that she vomited so much upon eating it, that she forthwith gave up the ghost. On the whole, he thought things were already going rather better with the parish, as Almighty God had richly blessed them with fish both out of the sea and the Octorvader. Nevertheless, a great number of people died of hunger here also. He told us that their vicar, his reverence Johannes Lampius, had had his house burnt down by the imperialists and was lying in a hovel near the church. I sent him my greeting, desiring that he would soon come to visit me, which the fellow promised he would take care to deliver to him. For the reverend Johannes is a pious and learned man, and has also composed sundry Latin chronostica on these wretched times in Metrum Heroicum, which, I must say, pleased me greatly. When we had crossed the ferry, we went in at Sem's his house, on the Castle Green, who keeps an alehouse. He told us that the pestilence had not yet altogether ceased in the town, whereat I was much afraid, more especially as he described to us so many other horrors and miseries of these fearful times both here and in other places. For example, of the great famine in the island of Rugen, where a number of people had grown as black as moors from hunger. A wondrous thing, if it be true, and one might almost gather therefrom how the first blackamoors came about. Be that as it may. Summa. When Master Semmes had told us all the news he had heard, and we had thus learnt, to our great comfort, that the Lord had not visited us only in these times of heavy need. I called him aside into a chamber and asked him whether I could not here find means to get money for a piece of amber which my daughter had found by the sea. At first he said no, but then recollecting he began, Stay, let me see. At Nicholas Gracchi's, the inn at the castle, there are two great Dutch merchants, Diederik von Penhen and Jakob Kaikabusch, who are come to buy pitch and boards item, timber for ships and beams, 
Perchance they may like to cheapen your amber too. But you had better go up to the castle yourself, for I do not know for certain whether they are still there. This I did, although I had not yet eaten anything in the man's house, seeing that I wanted to know first what sort of bargain I might make, and to save the farthings belonging to the church until then. So I went into the castle yard. Gracious God! What a desert had even His Princely Highness's house become within a short time! The Danes had ruined the stables and hunting lodge. Anno 1628. Item. Destroyed several rooms in the castle and the locamentum of His Princely Highness Duke Philippus, where, Anno 22, he so graciously entertained me and my child, as will be told further on. Now dwelt the innkeeper Nicholas Gracchi, and all the fair tapestries whereon was represented the pilgrimage to Jerusalem of his princely highness, Bogislaus X, were torn down, and the walls left gray and bare. At this sight my heart was sorely grieved, but I presently inquired for the merchants, who sat at the table drinking their parting cup, with their traveling equipments already lying by them, seeing that they were just going to set out on their way to Stettin. Straightway one of them jumped up from his liquor, a little fellow with a right noble paunch and a black plaster on his nose, and asked me what I would of them. I took him aside into a window, and I told him I had some fine amber, if he had a mind to buy it of me, which he straightway agreed to do. And when he had whispered somewhat into the ear of his fellow, he began to look very pleasant, and reached me the pitcher before we went to my inn. I drank to him right heartily, seeing that, as I have already said, I was still fasting, so that I felt my very heart warmed by it in an instant. Gracious God, what can go beyond a good draught of wine taken within measure? After this we went to my inn and told the maid to carry the box on one side to a small chamber. I had scarce opened it and taken away the gown when the man, whose name was Dietrich von Penham, as he had told me by the way, held up both hands for joy and said he had never seen such wealth of amber, and how had I come by it? I answered that my child had found it on the seashore, whereat he wondered greatly that we had so much amber here, and offered me three hundred florins for the whole box. I was quite beside myself for joy at such an offer, but took care not to let him see it, and bargained with him till I got five hundred florins, and I was to go with him to the castle and take the money forthwith. Hereupon I ordered mine host to make ready at once a mug of beer and a good dinner for my child, and went back to the castle with the man and the maid, who carried the box, begging him, in order to avoid common talk, to say nothing of my good fortune to mine host, nor indeed to anyone else in the town, and to count out the money to me privately, seeing that I could not be sure that the thieves might not lay in wait for me on the road home if they heard of it. And this the man did, for he whispered something into the ear of his fellow, who straightway opened his leathern surcoat, item, his doublet and hose, and unbuckled from his paunch a well-filled purse, which he gave to him, Summa. Before long I had my riches in my pocket, and moreover the man begged me to write him at Amsterdam whenever I found any more amber, the which I promised to do. But the worthy fellow, as I have since heard, died of the plague at Stettin, together with his companion. Truly I wish it had happened otherwise. Shortly after I was very near getting into great trouble, for— as I had an extreme longing to fall upon my knees, so that I could not wait until such time as I should have got back to my inn, I went up three or four steps of the castle stairs and entered into a small chamber, where I humbled myself before the Lord. But the host, Nicholas Gracchi, followed me, thinking I was a thief and would have stopped me, 
so that I knew not how to excuse myself by saying that I had been made drunken by the wine which the strange merchants had given to me, for he had seen what a good pull I had made at it, seeing I had not broken my fast that morning, and that I was looking for a chamber wherein I might sleep a while, which lie he believed. If, in truth, it were a lie, for I was really drunken, though not with wine, but with love and gratitude to my maker, and accordingly he let me go. But I must now tell my story of his princely highness, as I promised above. Anno twenty-two, as I chanced to walk with my daughter, who was then a child of about twelve years old, in the castle garden at Wolgast, and was showing her the beautiful flowers that grew there, it chanced that as we came round from behind some bushes, we espied my gracious lord, the Duke Philippus Julius, with his princely highness, the Duke Bogoslav, who lay here on a visit, standing on a mount and conversing wherefore we were about to return but as my gracious lords presently walked on towards a drawbridge we went to look at the mount where they had stood of a sudden my little girl shouted loudly for joy seeing that she found on the earth a costly signet ring which one of the princely highnesses doubtless had dropped i therefore said come and we will follow our gracious lords with all speed and thou shalt say to them in latin serenissimi principes qui vestrum hung anulum de perditi for as i have mentioned above i had instructed her in the latin tongue ever since her seventh year and if one of them says ego give him the ring item should he ask thee in latin to whom thou belongest be not abashed and say ego sum filia pastoris coservinces for thou wilt thus find favour in the eyes of their princely highnesses for they are both gracious gentlemen more especially the taller one, who is our gracious ruler, Philippus Julius himself. This she promised to do, but as she trembled sorely as she went, I encouraged her yet more and promised her a new gown if she did it, seeing that even as a little child she would have given a great deal for fine clothes. As soon, then, as we were come into the courtyard, I stood by the statue of his princely highness Ernest Ludwig, and whispered her to run boldly after them, as their princely highnesses were only a few steps before us, and had already turned toward the great entrance. This she did, but of a sudden she stood still, and would have turned back, because she was frightened by the spurs of their princely highnesses, as she afterwards told me, seeing that they rattled and jingled very loudly. But my gracious lady, the Duchess Agnes, saw her from the open window wherein she lay, and called to his princely highness, my lord there is a little maiden behind you who it seems would speak with you whereupon his princely highness straight away turned him round smiling pleasantly so that my little maid presently took courage and holding up the ring spoke in latin as i had told her hereat both the princes wondered beyond measure and after my gracious duke philippus had felt his finger he answered dulcissima puella ego perdidi whereupon she gave it to him then he patted her cheek and again asked, Sed canam est et unde vinis? Whereupon she boldly gave her answer, and at the same time pointed with her finger to where I stood by the statue, whereupon his princely highness motioned me to draw near. My gracious lady saw all that passed from the window, but all at once she left it. She, however, came back to it again before I had time even humbly to draw near to my gracious lord, and beckoned to my child, and held a cake out of the window for her on my telling her she ran up to the window but her princely highness could not reach so low nor she so high above her as to take it wherefore my gracious lady commanded her to come up into the castle 
and as she looked anxiously round after me, motioned me also, as did my gracious lord himself, who presently took the timid little maid by the hand and went up with his princely highness, the Duke Bogoslav. My gracious lady came to meet us at the door, and caressed and embraced my little daughter, so that she soon grew quite bold and ate the cake. When my gracious lord had asked me my name, item, why I had in so singular a manner taught my daughter the Latin tongue, I answered that I had heard much from a cousin at Cologne of Maria Sherman, and as I had observed a very excellent ingenium in my child, and also had time enough in my lonely cure, I did not hesitate to take her in hand, and teach her from her youth up, seeing I had no boy alive. Hereat their princely highnesses marvelled greatly, and put some more questions to her in Latin, which she answered without any prompting from me. Whereupon my gracious lord Duke Philippus said in the vulgar tongue, When thou art grown up, and art one day to be married, tell it to me, and thou shalt then have another ring from me, and whatsoever else pertains to a bride, for thou hast this day done me good service, seeing that this ring is a precious jewel to me, as I had it from my wife. Hereupon I whispered her to kiss his princely highness's hand for such a promise, and so she did. But alas, most gracious God, it is one thing to promise, and quite another to hold. Where is his princely highness at this time? Wherefore let me ever keep in mind that thou only art faithful, and that which thou hast promised thou wilt surely hold. Psalm 33, 4. Amen. Item. When his princely highness had also inquired concerning myself and my cure, and heard that I was of ancient and noble family, and my salarium very small, he called from the window to his chancellor, D. Rungius, who stood without, looking at the sundial, and told him that I was to have an addition from the convent at Pudgla, item, from the crown lands at Ernsthoff, as I mentioned above. But more's the pity, I have never received the same, although the instrumentum donatonis was sent me soon after by his princely highness chancellor. Then cakes were brought for me also, item, a glass of foreign wine and a glass painted with armorial bearings, whereupon I humbly took my leave, together with my daughter. However, to come back to my bargain, anybody may guess what joy my child felt when I showed her the fair ducats and florins I had gotten for the amber. To the maid, however, we said that we had inherited such riches from my brother in Holland, and after we had again given thanks to the Lord on our knees and eaten our dinner, we bought in a great store of bread, salt, meat, and stockfish. Item of clothes, seeing that I provided what was needful for us three throughout the winter from the cloth merchant. Moreover, for my daughter, I bought a hairnet and a scarlet silk bodice, the black apron and white petticoat. Item, a fine pair of earrings, as she begged hard for them, and as soon as I had ordered the needful from the cordwainer, we set out on our way homewards, as it began to grow very dark. But we could not carry nearly all we had bought. Wherefore, we were forced to get a peasant from Bannerman, to help us, who likewise was come into the town. And as I found out from him that the fellow who gave me the piece of bread was a poor cotter called Pantermel, who dwelt in the village by the roadside, I shoved a couple of loaves in at his house door without his knowing it, and we went on our way by the bright moonlight, so that by the help of God we got home about ten o'clock at night. I likewise gave a loaf to the other fellow, though truly he deserved it not, seeing that he would go with us no further than to Zitzi but I let him go, for I too had not deserved that the Lord should so greatly bless me. End of section 5